Hey, we are the Ishtar Collective, a website dedicated to categorizing the lore of destiny. You can find us online at www.ishtar-collective.net and on Twitter at Ishtar Cole. I'm Purple Chimera, the lead archivist at the Ishtar Collective. I'm Baxter, the founder of the Ishtar Collective. And Normal Norman cannot make it t- this week. He is sick and has no voice. Oh. So, yes, hopefully he'll feel better soon. Um, today we are going to talk about Aries 1. Ooh. Yeah. Not, <laughs> it's funny because it's one of those things that when you bring it up, a lot of people are like, what's that? But I know that everyone watched this cutscene because it's the very first one you watch yeah. before you even get to play. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it's one of the most important stories in the game, in a sense. It's the beginning. Yeah. So, what was Ares 1? Uh, Ares 1, the first manned mission to Mars before the Golden Age. This was when the Traveler first came to the solar system. And as far as we know, humanity's first encounter with the Traveler happened right on Mars. So, what we know about the Ares 1 mission comes from a series of grimoire cards from the perspective of Commander Jacob Hardy. Um, it was himself, another astronaut called um, Mihalova, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. And one called Kiao, is that, is that right? I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't either. Yeah. Um, and I guess we we kind of presume, I mean, we don't know for certain that um, Jacob Hardy was American. Um, Mihailova was Russian and Kiao was Chinese. That's my, I mean, it will, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll never really know for certain, but um, the fact that China seems so heavily involved in the colonization of the moon and various other kind of hints at uh, a Chinese kind of um, spacefaring technology. Plus, you know, we, we know how involved Russia was, um, thanks to the, you know, the, the Cosmodrome. Um, I think it's it's a reasonable presumption that those were the nationalities of the, of the, the three individuals. And their names kind of hint that way as well. Yeah, yeah. So we know that the Traveler, when it came into the solar system, it went to Jupiter, Mercury, and Venus, and then it headed to Mars. And that's when humanity decided to, or where humanity decided to meet them. Yeah. And it's interesting because it seemed like, um, it seems like from reading the cards, humanity kind of, expected it to follow a particular trajectory you know that they it wasn't on mars and they decided to go to mars to meet it they knew that it would be at mars by the time their mission got to mars so they set off with the plan of arriving on mars at the same time as the traveler pretty much which is just it's just an interesting thing because i mean how I'm curious as to how they were able to determine what the what the path of the traveler was. Yeah, it's not like it was going 
backwards in order that we know of. So Ghost Fragment Human says, um, in 14 months, we'll be face to face with it. And by the time we arrive, it should be active again, just like it was active on Jupiter and Mercury and Venus. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an, if the traveler did go from Jupiter to Mercury to Venus to Mars, that does mm-hmm. seem like a pretty odd order. But as we, in. as we, yeah, it does. But equally, as we discussed in the previous episode, although I guess we might not broadcast our episodes in order. So hmm. anyway, as we said in the, um, which episode was it? Ishtar Collective, when we're talking about Venus yeah. and the yeah. mind. Yes, when we were talking about in the Ishtar Collective episode, um, the order of the planets isn't static. You know, um, depending on how far through their orbit each planet is, the closest, you know, the, the path that you go from one planet to the next could be different. Could be, you know, the most efficient path from one planet to the next might be different you know yes but still it seems i don't know like it could have been that like jupiter and mercury were on i mean i don't know we don't have any terms to describe but that well okay you could say jupiter and mercury were like at at 12 o'clock and venus and mars were at six o'clock so in that case, the order makes sense. You would go to Jupiter as the as the, the traveler comes in. It comes to Jupiter first, and then travels closer towards the center of the solar system, towards Mercury, and then it travels past the sun and starts coming out of the solar system towards Venus, and then Mars. You know? Yeah. Eventually, somehow, it made its way to Earth. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing as well, because we don't actually know. I mean, we're kind of getting off subject a little bit here, <laughs> but we don't know what happened after uh, the Ares 1 mission. Like, did the traveler just get up and leave and come to Earth of its own free will? Yeah, um, we don't we don't really know what happened there. We know. Okay, well, let's let's back up to the Ares 1 mission again, then we'll get into what happened <laughs> after the Ares yeah. 1 mission. So it seems that the intention of the, the purpose of this mission was to discern what the motives of the traveler were. Uh, why are you in my solar system? What are you doing to all these planets? Mm-hmm. And, and see if it was friendly or not and you know, figure out what they're going to do. Um, there is a running theme through these cards uh, that Jacob Hardy keeps mentioning that they were carrying weapons and he really didn't like that. Yeah. He keeps saying that he understood why they were carrying weapons, but he really didn't like it. It made him really uncomfortable, which is interesting. Yeah. I think it's, you know, like it's an understandable, um, it's understandable that, that he didn't feel comfortable about it because if the first time you meet some extraterrestrial intelligence, you carry a gun with you, it sends a a certain message, you know? Yeah, well, and it's one thing if they were on Mars 
and you know doing something and the traveler came to mars and they happened to run into each other mm-hmm. but it's different to say okay we're going to go meet this new entity and we're going to pack guns on our plane to when or on yeah. our ship to go and meet it yeah and i also think it's kind of naive as well because i mean the traveler is the size of a small moon and they have three rifles. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, if the traveler decides, yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to do something, I'm going to blow you guys up, how are three rifles going to make any difference? It's either really naive or really arrogant. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of humanity, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. We kind of just oscillate between the two. Okay, so they go <laughs> to Mars, um, mm-hmm. and they struggle to find a landing site. Um, while they were floating around, they tried to, three different landing sites. Uh, their number three engine went diagnostic. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not an astronaut, so I don't know what, exactly what all these words mean in context, but I'm assuming that means that it died or, or stopped working properly. Um, because eventually he has to take control, manual control of their ship and bring bring them down basically on instinct because the atmosphere was so thick they couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And when they finally get down, they had a script that they were supposed to say when they left, left the vehicle, and he messes it up. But he says, possibly one of my favorite quotes in all of the grimoire which is said the first thing that came to my mind a warning to the others we're walking into a rising wind i didn't mean to say anything immortal i just thought it'd be useful to know it's a cool line so great (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so he he's giving information to his team and it turns into this whole one line we're walking into a rising wind that becomes dripping with meaning over the centuries and he just anyway (laughs) Um, (laughs) so they walk into the into the wind they reach the top of a ridge and they see the traveler beginning to terraform mars they see rain and uh, oxygen coming into the atmosphere. They see um, water coming out of the planet. They're watching the traveler terraform Mars, which is amazing to me. I really wish that we could see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I, it's one of, it's one of the, the coolest visuals to think about, especially when you think about in rea- in reality, us sending you know, robots to Mars and, we're not that far off from this time. Yeah. In the, ti- in I mean, the I think, timeline. I think that's why this story is so important. Because this is the thing that hooks us into the, the story of, of destiny. Everything else, you know, everything else in the game is um, kind of high science fiction. You know, like space magic 
is fantasy, really. Mm-hmm. You know, every, everything else from this point onwards is like, yeah, just just go with the flow. You know, we have ships that can travel from one planet to another in like a few seconds. And we have the superpowers that were given to us by an alien intelligence with its dying breath. And these these crazy creatures who were trying to kill us and, you know, all these all these crazy things. But this story, the story of Ares one is the story of a person like us, you know, Jacob Hardy. You know, he, he wasn't born during the Golden Age. He wasn't born with, you know, a lifespan that had tripled or a, a ridiculously, you know, hyper intelligence or anything like that. He was just a normal guy who went on a... Well, I mean, maybe not a normal guy. Astronauts are still pretty um, spe- spectacular people. But he, but by, by most definitions, he was a normal human being. And he went off to meet the Traveller. And from that point onwards, everything for humanity changed. Yeah, and it's interesting that... I know that we have these, all these cards are from his diaries, but we don't know anything else about the other two people aside from the fact that they were there. It's true. So makes you wonder what their significance was later. What happened to them? Because in the last card, uh, Ghost Fragment Human 4, He's reflecting on what happened afterwards, and he said basically he says that after that mission he knew he could he'd never get another mission like that, and he had to go do something else with his life. So he decides to study mathematics, and the quote slippery irreality of light, and he gets this is the start of the golden age. He is 90 years old writing in this diary, studying light and mathematics and the traveler's terraforming activities. So he is witnessed it. The he has witnessed the birth of the golden age, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean that we don't. That's the frustrating thing about this story on the one hand this is the story that started every other story this is the cinematic that you watch when you open up destiny for the first time before you even get to play before your ghost revives you you know before the i think even before the destiny logo comes up this Mm -hmm. is the cinematic that you watch yeah and then that's the end like this is the end and the beginning there are these four cards and the cinematic and that's it so these are the only as far as i know off the top of my head the only art artifacts records the only records we have from pre-golden age and then of course i'm at the beginning of the golden age but from that time yeah, yeah you're right it's um i mean we, we do have some records that are pre-golden age that don't involve humanity just to be pedantic but 
you're right that these are the these are the earliest cards on humanity that we have and we don't we don't have any we don't know any more we don't know what happened to Jacob Hardy after this um we don't know how far he got in his studies into light i mean for all the golden age was this period of massive advancement massive scientific advancement but we don't know how much they actually learned like did did humanity come to understand light you know what was that information lost during the collapse or did they never really come to understand light i also th- i also kind of find it interesting so another thing that we don't know is we don't know what the traveler did after the traveler had terraformed jupiter mercury venus and mars we don't know did it go to earth i mean i i i i guess it did that's that's where it was you know what, what you know that that's that's where it is now it's on earth but i mean like once it's terraformed all these worlds what did it do right we don't know if it terraformed mars and then came to earth because that's where humanity was and so it was like mm-hmm. all right you know obviously they they made friends so like come yeah. hang out or did it go do something else and it only came to earth at the end like right at the end yeah. of the like right at the collapse i don't know i i think i kind of get the <laughs> feeling it was on on earth or at least nearby to earth before that yeah but I do just wonder, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, there are so many questions and there are so few answers. Um, and um, there may never be answers to, 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 to those questions. We, 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 we might never know what happened during the golden age. What advances did humanity make? What changes did the traveler make directly? The other thing I noticed in these cards that is, I think, striking and unique to these four cards is how happy Jacob is. In almost every card, he mentions, you know, that makes me so happy. I'm, I'm unspeakably happy. I'm just, he's so thrilled to talk about this, to relive the mission. He, he says, I still enjoy the interviews. And the last card takes place 50 years after the Ares One mission, and he's still getting mm-hmm. interviewed about it, and he's still happy to talk about it. So, it, it must have been a pretty amazing experience to go through. Yeah. And it's so strikingly different from the way that Destiny is, the Destiny world is now, which is very, you know on the edge, on the brink of death, you know, fighting, everything is attacking you. And we're the heroes, but, you know, every new expansion that comes out is, okay, here's someone else trying to kill us. You know, yeah. get back out there, do it again. I think what's, one of the things that strikes me, that didn't strike me the first time that I read this, is 
it makes me think of the hive. You know, um, in the books of sorrow, where I mean, and and it's and it's obvious, you know, in in hindsight, obvious, you know, like in, in the books of sorrow, the you know, Oryx and the Hive talk about the races that they encounter and how privileged and, what's the word, spoiled they are, really. And as much as, as brilliant as the the world was during the Golden Age, it does just make me think humanity was complacent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that they got so busy studying the, you know, these high, high thinking. I can't think of the word now. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not very good <laughs> at whatever it was. Um, but, you know, math and, and astronomy and, and studying science and and philosophy that they didn't prepare they didn't have as many fortifications of protection maybe as they should have. Yeah. It's interesting as well because, you know, like, like, like Rasputin, obviously that the war mines were created. Well, we presume that the war mines were created during the golden age. So there must've been some, you know, oh, one of the impressions that I get from reading the Rasputin cards is that the, the golden age was a very, um, paranoid time. But the impressions that I get from reading the, the Aries 1 cards, that, you know, that there isn't any hint of paranoia in there. Well, um, and these cards take place at the beginning, right? We don't know how long the Golden Age lasted. You're right. So it could be that these Aries 1 cards are at the beginning and everything is awesome, right? Because they've you know, there was this, oh, oh, this thing is coming. It's kind of scary, but it turns out it's friendly and it's awesome and it terraforms planets and it teaches us, you know, how to make, how to jump from planet to planet so quickly. And we have all these science advances and we live longer and we're smarter and faster and what, you know, everything is awesome. And then, you know, maybe one or two generations later, when humanity gets used to that, they're like, okay, well, now we got to keep it. And then you start looking beyond and trying to protect what you've got maybe i don't know if that's i don't know if that's how i imagine i we haven't got a lot of evidence either way but i don't know if that's how i imagine things worked like i, I don't know if is, th is that the way humans would behave you know after a few generations would people be more paranoid or would they be less like I actually wonder if it might be the other way around and that when the traveler arrived initially people thought well this is kind of dangerous maybe we should build some sort of defense network in case it isn't the friendly terraforming creature that we think it is but then over the course of the next 50 years people kind of think, actually, well, it's been 50 years and nothing bad's happened. Maybe we didn't need to build this paranoid network of artificial intelligences to defend us. 
you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, there's a theory, and I can't remember what it's called right now, but about the evolution, it's about the evolution of technology. Mm-hmm. And the basic gist is that whatever state of technology the world is in during your childhood, that is the natural state of being of technology. Anything that is developed in your like teens through about 30 or so is like new, awesome, amazing technology. And once you get into like middle age, 40s, 50s and beyond, any new technology is crazy and unnatural and doesn't make any sense. And why do we need this stuff? Mm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's a it's a pretty broad stereotype, but you know the the idea being that whatever you're used to is the way that it should be. So yeah. as as the traveler is a new entity, humanity is very wary of it. But as humanity mm-hmm. grows, and you know they have children, and the children grow up with the traveler being there, it's just, that's the way the traveler is. It's just there and it does things for Mm us and you get used to it and then you let your guard down and then something happens and everything collapses. It's a great summary. Thanks. I mean, yeah, I guess we don't know. It could be either. Either is possible or neither. There are, there are hundreds of possible scenarios um but yeah i i guess i guess what the the important thing to take away there is that there are definitely different perspectives that we get of the golden age from different grimoire cards some of them are some of them painted as a very um very positive period like and by that I mean a very um, like posit- positive for, for the individual, you know that, that that individuals were happy during this period, but other cards, especially the the ones related to Rasputin and Old Russia, do paint it as a very paranoid period, and the Aries One cards are definitely in the former camp. They 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 give the impression that you know this is. The traveler came, and everything everything good that could happen happened, yeah, and it makes me wonder if Rasputin was brought was created at the beginning as a defense mechanism, then it explains a lot of the paranoia that he has about things and the protocols that he initiated, yeah. Because if you're programmed as a defense mechanism, you look at things a different way than if you're programmed as a computer and then retro, you know, as a an assistant computer and retrofitted as a defense mechanism. If that makes any sense. I mean, it does make sense, but I don't think we've I don't think we've re- retrofitted enough assistant computers <laughs> to know for certain yet. Maybe next. But year. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, 
So another question that's been on my mind since we started discussing the Traveller is like a few times you've kind of hinted at um, the fact that the Traveller has helped us in some way, in a, in a direct sense. But we don't really have any evidence that that, like, I mean, I don't know what that would be like. Like, did the Traveller speak? You know, I think you kind of said the Traveller, you know, helped us build systems that would allow us to travel huge distances in short times but how would the traveler help us with that well see that's one of the enigmas about the traveler we don't know we don't know how the traveler terraformed we we don't know how the traveler no, communicated no. but we, we we don't sorry let me rephrase this then we we don't know how the traveler was able to terraform mars but we know that the traveler did terraform mars but we don't know that the traveler did explain how to build faster than light travel. We don't know that the traveler communicated anything to us. There's no, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to, the point that I'm trying to, to, to get at is that maybe the traveler just arrived and human lifespans tripled. And people got a lot more intelligent, but other than and 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 Mars and Venus and Mercury and the moons of Jupiter were terraformed, but maybe the traveler didn't communicate at all. Maybe the traveler didn't give us anything in a in a direct sense. Maybe there were just all of these side effects that happened when the traveler arrived. That's true. I mean. If all the Traveler did was triple our lifespan, I feel like that would have a huge significance um, impact on what we are able to do through science and technology. Mm -hmm. Because think about all the experience of things that you know your grandfather has just as mm -hmm. being in the world for 80 or 90 years, like Jacob Hardy, 90 years old. Mm -hmm. you know, and being having the experience of being in the world for 90 years, but physically being, you know, tw 20 or 30 years old is going to be completely different. Being able to do missions and, and science experiments and, you know, all those kinds of things. And then continue doing that for 200 more years. Mm -hmm. You know, if you assume that the average lifespan is 80 and it tripled, so. Anyway, it's it's possible yeah. that, that the traveler didn't do, you know, that didn't teach us anything. It's not like the traveler sat down at the table and was like, okay, let me draw you some schematics for this new kind of ship that will allow you to travel much faster. <laughs> but... I think that everyone, that humanity um, uh, hangs that responsibility on the traveler, that the traveler came and then we entered in this golden age of technology yeah. and science. Um, whether it was directly a result of the traveler, I guess, is kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, 
until we find evidence otherwise, my own belief is going to be that the traveller didn't communicate with us directly. Sure. I mean, I'll go with that. We we have no <laughs> evidence either way, so. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just kind of think, I, I mean, I don't know what, the st like, what is the state of the traveller right now? The traveller, is the traveller dead? Well, according to that one mission that I can't remember the name of, where you go and steal back a piece of the traveller from the hive. Yeah. I think that's the is that the dark beyond maybe it's not mm, i forget but it's in the osiris category yeah i remember that when you pull when at the end of that no mission, it isn't when, at the end of that mission when you pull <laughs> the piece of the traveler um someone mm -hmm. and it might have been ghost says that you know it says that the traveler can start repairing itself now or something like that yeah so now I have to go play through that mission and, and find out exactly what it said. I can't remember. I'm trying to see if I can find it on the Ishtar Collective. <laughs> have we transcribed that mission? Um, I don't know if we have. So there's the dark beyond. No, it isn't the Talk Beyond. The Talk Beyond is where um, Ghost says we've woken the hive. Yeah. Um. Ah, Chamber of Night. Yes. Wait, no, that's not it either. Hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's it. Chamber of Night. Um, so at the end, Ghost says, what is this thing? It's a shard of the Traveller. They were using it against the Traveller, devouring its light, but we freed it. And our new friends said there are enemies on Venus worse than this? Great. Hmm. That's so, not the line I was thinking of. Hmm. Hmm. What line were you thinking of? I don't know. I felt like there was a line that said something about the Traveller being able to repair itself. Now, obviously I... Well, I is that not in the... in the the, um, the Black Garden mission? I haven't played the vanilla missions in so long, I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know if we have the final mission I don't think in, we do. Uh, transcribed. We need to fix that. Hmm. Anyway, if I find it, we'll... Yeah. We'll do an episode about the Traveler, I guess. Yeah. That would be cool. It's one of those things, though, that I don't know if it makes... I don't know if it makes sense to have a Traveler category on the website, because... So many things reference the traveler, but maybe maybe we should because it it would be good to actually describe what the traveler is and yeah I don't know if we should, you know not we don't need it to have the category we need it to have the summary 
talk yes. about what the Traveler is. Yeah. Um. Anyway, do you have any other thoughts on Aries One? Um, I think we've covered most stuff. Let me think. Um. Yeah, I mean, I wish we knew more about the slippery reality of light. Yeah, don't we all? Yeah. Um, no, I think we've covered everything that I can think of. Can you think of anything else? No, that's pretty much all I got. It's, we just have four cards. We have no items. <laughs> no, we have no anything. So there's really not all that much as far yeah. as information goes. Yeah. It's kind of a short one. Yeah, that's all right. Some of them are going to be short, and that, that's cool. All right, well, thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can find us on Twitter at Ishtar Cole. Um, if you don't like to be confined by character limits, you can email us at podcast at ishtar-collective.net. And if you'd like to read our summary on the Aries one, you can visit our website, ishtar-collective.net. I've been Purple Chimera. I've been Baxter. See you next time. Bye. Bye.